Welcome, Annette Wellsford here. How's business? Getting plenty? In this episode, we're going to be looking at how you could be getting more. We have a special interview with an expert in tendering. But before then, we have some feedback from a listener. John, who didn't leave his company name, unfortunately, but he has a landscaping business in Adelaide, I think, and he asks... What can I do to win more business? I seem to spend a lot of time visiting clients, scoping out their land, creating a quote and plans, but I only win about 40% of the jobs. It's really frustrating and, you know, I'm beginning to think it's a real waste of my time. So, John, it is frustrating, but I suggest that it might be something to do with your process. So here's a few tips to help you. First of all, qualify them beforehand. Maybe they've already got other quotes and you're just the third or fourth option. So find out if they are going to get a lot of quotes and find out things like when they want the work to begin, what sort of budget they have in mind, that sort of stuff. I mean, you might already be out of the running to begin with because you can't meet their schedule or you might not want to do it because the budget is too small. So you waste. if you find out those things on the phone first... You haven't wasted, um, you know, a trip out there. But if it does look like a job that you want to quote on, so while you're out there scoping out their property, maybe find out more about their hot buttons. Price will come into it, but there may be other factors that hold just as much weight. Maybe plant selections high up on their priority list and what you suggest um, you know, in various areas, it might be the, the crunch factor. Maybe they just want a low maintenance design. Maybe they want a waterways-wise design, you know. Maybe they, they want a, a quote that includes ongoing maintenance, that sort of thing. You know, sometimes people just don't know what they want until you suggest it to them. So show them your expertise, suggest options and, you know, the benefits of those. You'll be building credibility and authority and then they'll have that to consider as well as the price. And don't forget to follow up after you've delivered the quote, and I mean within a couple of days. Strike while they're hot. So many people don't do this. They wait for the client to ring them. Now, if you don't follow up, it sends a message that you're not interested, that you're too busy. And that has happened to me several times. It's very annoying. Now, of course, if you don't get the work, don't just go, oh, well, another one bites the dust. Bring them up. Find out why. If it's price, maybe, you know, they you can offer to remove one of the options so you can get your price down. Or maybe you can say, look, you know, my price is this, but I'll throw in um, some, something extra. And, you know, you, you could throw in something of value that will, won't cost you much to deliver. You know, maybe a container of fertiliser, maybe you know, one or two free maintenance calls over the next three to six months. You know... People sometimes need help when they make decisions, so be helpful. So, thanks for your inquiry, John. Really appreciate it, and keep them coming, listeners. And that leads beautifully into today's interview with Chris Dennis from Win Win Tendering. We recorded this earlier, so let's have a listen to it now. Welcome to the Tradie Success Podcast by Annette Wellsford founder of Common Sense Marketing and Tradie Marketing Secrets. Annette's on a mission to help honest, hard-working tradies like you to become marketing geniuses. So you end up spending less time on the tools and more time growing a great business. Good morning or 
Hello everybody, it's Annette here from Trady Success and today we've got a, a special guest with us on the program. We have Chris Dennis from Win Win Tendering. Chris Dennis, she's an interesting lady. She has been involved in tendering for more than 20 years. Um, she's got a real passion for giving smaller companies the chance to compete with the big end of town. Isn't that good to hear? So she's got a program called Tendering for Success, which is a systematic guide to getting tendering right. Uh, and she also helps companies submit or create tenders and submit them. Over her career, she has worked for medium and large um, IT companies and she's also worked with all sorts of um, trade companies including electrical, scaffolding, uh, some cleaning, fit out and water pipe companies, cultural change companies, all sorts of companies and you know, she is pretty good at what she does because I believe that over 82% of the tenders that she has been involved in have been won or shortlisted and that's pretty good. So Chris, welcome. Thank you, Annette. It's absolutely great to be here to uh, spread some, some tips with, with your listeners. And hi, everyone out there. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing some successful tendering tips with you. <laughs> Good on you. Chris, one of the things I want to know is, you know, like you, you have a look at these tendering sites and you have you see tenders in the paper and everything. How do you know which tenders to go for? Okay, so the the first stage of tendering is to target the right opportunities. So they they may be found on tendering websites or sent to you from your existing clients or prospects. While it's great for the ego to be sent a tender from a client or a prospect, it doesn't really mean that it's the right one for you, for your company. After all, you don't want to be the third quote guy. Third quote guy? What do you mean for that? So where a company goes out and they need three quotes ah, to get yeah. through the process. Yeah, yeah, I get you. So um, when you get a tender, you have a good read through it all and ask yourself um, some really specific questions. And they're questions like, do you provide what the client wants? Is it your core business? Can you demonstrate that you have done it before and, and shown results? Do you have a relationship with the company? Are the contract terms acceptable to you and your business? Can you fund the job? If you answer yes to all of those questions, chances are this is a great opportunity for you to go for. However, if you've answered no to most of them, then chances are you're going to be wasting your time and money in responding. Mm. So asking yourself those questions will help you to decide bid or no bid. Yeah. So my first tip is target the right opportunities. Be crystal clear on the answers to those questions will ultimately save you time and money and a hell of a lot of stress. Okay. So what you're saying is just because something comes up and you think you're about 60 or 70% right for it, you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't go for it. Well, that that's a, a business decision to make. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's a risk-reward decision. Yeah. Do you spend time responding to something that um, isn't quite your sweet spot? 
Yeah, fair enough. Even though it looks like a great opportunity. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what are your tips to make a tender? Say you have decided, okay, I am going to go for this one. Have you got any tips for us on um, making your tender response stand out from everybody else's? Absolutely. There's, there's a few tips for this one. Okay. So chances are you and your um, competition offer basically the same products and services. There is more to responding to tenders than just answering the questions. Although oh, okay. that's a big part. <laughs> it's about how you position yourself, how well you write your answers that will make you stand out from the rest and how easy it is for your client to do business with you um, will make an enormous difference of your likelihood of success because people like to do business with people like them. Mm. All responses need to be in client speak not your jargon. So when you talk to them or, or write your responses, you need to make the client feel comfortable and you're far more likely to end up on the yes pile. The words you use would be different for different types of clients. So say, for example, if you're going for a big corporation or government, you use different words than talking to a project manager or even a builder. Okay. So my tip here is, uh, tip number two, is mimic the client words. Ah, so mirror, mirror their style of language and you can tell that from what the way they've written the tender docs? Absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah. And another way of standing out from the crowd is, is really demonstrating your value. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies think a tender response should be a, a chest-beating exercise on how great you are. Well, years ago, that was actually true. But today, it's all about solving problems and adding benefits for the client. So let's, let's say, um, I'll, I'll give you a, an example. Let's say you've, um, you've called an electrician to put lights in your office. And the electrician comes comes in and says, great, yep, we're going to use 60-watt globes for every socket. Mm-hmm. And you go, fine, whatever. <laughs> you get another electrician in and that electrician says, okay, so we're going to balance the natural light and the globe wattage in every part of the office, which is going to reduce any eye strain by your staff, as well as ensuring any darkness hazards are reduced and removed from the office area. Now, they may also only be putting 60-watt globes in, Mm. but because they've gone into how it's going to benefit you um, within your business, that adds emotion into the tender response. Oh, that's so. Yeah, and this is something that we talk, we've talked about in, in you know, in our marketing uh, lessons um, and in the the podcast, the other episodes that we've had of the podcast. But I didn't realise that it applied to tendering because I, that's really interesting. Mm. Uh, it's it's one of the big ones. That, oh, that's yeah. huge, that one. Because that would be really establishing their authority as an expert, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So demonstrating value is um, you need to show it from the client's perspective. So it's value according to them. And not everyone sees value in the same way. 
So let's say um, we're all going out this afternoon or tomorrow and, and um, going to buy a four-wheel drive. Now, the value each person sees in a four-wheel drive will be different. As a tradie, you might might see the value that your ladders can be put on the roof and, and your tools can be locked away. For someone who um, goes up to the ski fields, their value may be putting the skis on the roof and the, the wheels can have snow chains put on easily. Mm. For a mother taking kids to school, it's probably the boot space for shopping and the kids' bikes as well as the airbags. Yeah, yeah. So it's showing it for for your client. So you need to sort of understand what their hot buttons are so that you put forward the right value. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. So the tip for this one, um, so tip number three, is demonstrating value is about solving a problem and adding benefits in your client's eyes. Okay. Very good. Okay. Um, and how, how would they... How would they figure that out? Is is that sort of due to your knowledge of that particular sort of industry and what they're generally looking for, or is it you know often written into the tender wording? Okay, so there, there's a few different um, ways of of working out what your client values. So by far the best way is sitting down with them, having a coffee and a chat. Are you yeah. can do that. Well. If it's pre-tender, mm. absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, it, it may be an existing client or it may be a prospect that, that you've been working for a little while. However, under tendering rules, this isn't always possible. Yeah. Um, so if the tender's already come out, then the next best thing is to read through the tender documentation and see what they've said they are trying to achieve. There's always a section called selection criteria um, in most tenders and the client will say how they intend to mark each part of the tender response. The next way is to look at their website um, and see what what they say to their clients. Mimic them. What are their values or their mission for their company? Um, Another area is to look at their social media and see what they talk about. Um, for corporates um, and, and government, um, have a look at their annual reports and see what their CEO or managing director has to say about the direction of the company. Uh, so this is giving you a bit of an insight into their core values and um, and their obje- goals, what they want to, their objectives, you know, what they're trying to achieve, the Absolutely. way they think, their sort of corporate culture, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So tip number four is don't just rely on the tender documents to tell you everything about the client. Do your own research as well. This could be the difference between win or loss. So in in a tender document, um, there's there's quite a few questions they ask, I suppose. What's the best way of um, answering those questions? Okay, so... The number one best way is 
answer all the questions. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of tenders have page after page after page of questions to answer. And some questions have multiple parts to it. The easy way um, to answer the questions is to, um, you, you could use generic answers. However, the easy way isn't always the best way. The person who's released the tender has asked the question for a reason. Sometimes that reason is really hard to work out, but there's always a reason, and they may have the same question multiple times. It's just just couched in different ways. Absolutely. Oh, really? (laughs) But you still need to answer every single question. Okay. Um, It's much the same as um, you don't build a whole building at the same time. You know, each part of the building is broken down into smaller areas, you know, designed by floors, by trade, by time frame. This is the same for tenders. Break down each question and answer each paragraph, each sentence, each dot point. Some parts of the tender you'll, you'll do before others, you know, sort of, um, you'd probably leave your pricing until later on in the tender process mm. to make sure you understand the entire scope of the project. Yeah. yeah. So tip, tip number five is break each question down into manageable chunks and answer each and every part of those chunks. Yeah, good tip. <laughs> the, the other best way is to make it easy for the reviewer to find your answers. Yeah, there's nothing worse for a reviewer to have have to hunt for an answer to their questions. All that does is put them offside and then they start asking themselves, this company is too hard to work with. I can't find what I need. And and that puts them offside. So a great way to do that is by using colours. Oh. So... I'm going to ask you to imagine something. Imagine if the world was black and white, Hmm. no colour. Now, that would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? (laughs) No, definitely. Yeah. Pretty arty, but, yeah, boring. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So even newspapers have moved from only black text and black and white photos into having some colour splashed throughout it. So the same with tenders. The use of different colours for a question as opposed to an answer can help the reviewer to find your answers. Okay. So I would suggest grey for questions and either black or blue for answers. That way your answers stand out. They pop off the page. Yeah. You could also use your branding colours for headings. Mm -hmm. Now, although... Just a word of warning, don't use hard-to-read colours like yellow for yeah, a headache because yeah. that's, that's not going to help you. So my tip number six is using colours in tender responses will help guide the reviewer to what's important, and that is your answers. Yeah, good tip. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another way to make it easy for the client to find your answers um, is... Making sure that all your answers are within the document. So don't attach other documents and say for, um, to respond to every single question, refer to document X. Refer to document X. Okay, so 
can I just um, just pull you up there for a tick? Because um, when it's many many years since I've been involved in the tendering process, so things have may have changed. Well, no doubt they've changed. So when you get a tender document, is it in a format like in, say, like Microsoft Word or something where you can then put your answer straight in or do you start from scratch and repeat their questions and your answers in your own document? Okay, so the clients that I work with, we create our own document. Right. But it's a a duplicate of what has been um, asked for. Okay. So if um, their question number one is our question number one, their okay. question number two is our question number of two. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and we put in our answers in the appropriate places. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing worse than than providing all this documentation and the reviewer has to flick through so many different pages just trying to find your answer. Oh, yeah, sort of like, you know, if you answer this, go to Appendix 3C or something. Correct. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, they, you, you want to make it easy for them. Yeah. You know, after all, they're the ones that are going to award you the job. And I guess if they're comparing, you know, your response with everybody else's responses, the ones that are well laid out and easy to read, are going to, you know, get a few points. Absolutely, absolutely. So the the tip number seven is make it easy for the reviewer to find your answers and say, yes, we want to work with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? But it's something that um, I guess... Unless you've been told that, you know, by an expert like yourself, um, you might be tempted to, uh, you know, put long answers or loads, wads of information, you know, somewhere else and and then not realise it's not the right thing to do. So what would happen if um, the client, you know, asked for something that you know just wouldn't work and that you've got a, a better solution? Great question. Great question. Um, so it's easy to get caught in a trap of telling the client how you can give them everything they need and forgetting actually what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my suggestions here are review each part of the tender document carefully and make, make note of what the client really wants. These are the key points that you need to target in, into your response. It is important to the client that you submit a a compliant bid. That way, when they compare every submission on a level playing ground, apples with apples, they get a true understanding of what your value is. You can also put in options. Now, these options can show what you think they need. If you put in options, then always explain how the option will solve a bigger problem for them or add more benefits. Ah, so, I see. Um, Okay, so if they said, look, you know, we want the um, this this type of, um, I don't know, cabling or piping or something like that, and you know that there's a new product out on the market that would be better than what they've asked for, you could put it as an option. 
Absolutely. So you, you lead with the cabling that they've asked for and you say, however, this cabling here will give you whatever it's going to give you. Yeah. Um, and that way they can still do their um, compare apples and apples, but they can also see that um, you're really looking out for them, which mm. will establish more trust. And when people trust you, they come to you. Yeah, definitely. And how do you show that in the pricing? Okay, so um, I'll go through the pricing in a one sec. I just got one more tip for, oh, for sorry. the area. <laughs> so, so tip number eight is give the client what they want and options for what they need. So within um, how to show this in pricing is you you put in your your normal price for what they want so they can do their apples with apples comparison but then you think about the the classic um, Macca's upsell would you like fries with that mm. so you put in line items for option one option two or recommendation one or recommendation two and um, you show them what that means to them. Now, ah. what that does is it means that you're leading with your least cost compliant solution. So the apples and apples approach still works, but you're still giving them the um, the added value of, hey, there's all these other things that are going to be really great for you. Yeah. So tip number nine is lead with least cost compliant. Lead with, say that again. Lead with least cost compliant. Least cost compliant. That's a good tip. I, I think because what you're doing is demonstrating, by doing this, you're demonstrating that not only are you an expert in your field because you, you know, you, you've, you know all this stuff and you, you, and you, you're establishing credibility, but you're also offering value by showing that you're being really helpful. Uh, and offering Absolutely. offering other ideas that they might not have considered or might not know about, and, and would actually, you know, be a, perhaps a better solution in some circumstances. Mm. Oh, for sure. That is for a sure. really great tip. I love that, and that's that ties in beautifully with the way that uh, you know we suggest that people. Um, market themselves, um, you know, on their website and when they're out selling. Always try and be really, really helpful um, and give the client options if you can see that they, you know, might be better. None of us knows everything. (laughs) That's for sure. Absolutely. After all, um, your listeners are the experts in their field. The client isn't the expert in the field, so they may not know about the latest technology or the latest um, uh, energy efficiency saving that they could have or those sorts of things. So it is basically your, I would say it's your duty to inform them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. After their interests and their needs. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. They're fantastic tips. Have you got any other final tips for us, Chris? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have many. Oh, gee, I'm being pushy now. <laughs> okay. So, 
done properly, tendering can be a fantastic opportunity for growth and positioning your company as an industry expert in your field. So these tips are a great place to get started, but tendering effectively is without doubt a, a learnt skill um, and definitely something you, that you should invest in expert guidance so you don't just do the same old, same old for the next five, ten years, mm. getting the same results. Yeah, that's the definition um, of insanity, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so I've just thought of one more tip because I can't leave it at nine. I need to do ten. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one, one final point. Never, ever be late in submitting your response. Always submit up to a few hours earlier, especially if it's an electronic submission, you know, those ones that you have to upload to a website or email to the contact. Oh, okay. That's a really good tip. Things can go wrong, can't they? Well, things can go wrong, but what... By being late during the tendering stage, you're actually telling the client that you're going to be late in the delivery stage. Oh, so it's an impression that you create. Absolutely. So tip number 10, never, ever, ever be late responding to a tender. And I don't think that um, some particularly government departments will accept late tenders, will they? Oh, absolutely. There's um, most tenders that arrive one second late will be put on the no pole and they won't even read it. They won't even open it. So you've wasted all that time and effort and stress. They have been fantastic tips, Chris, and I I hope that um, that you've inspired our listeners to um, have a go at tendering and, and get some some of that work that you, or regular work or sort of bigger work that you've been dying to get. But bear in mind that from listening to Chris's tips, it's it's not all that sort of, you know, straightforward. You just grab the document and answer the questions. You've got a much better chance of getting to final stage um, or even being, you know, and being accepted if you um, do it the right way. And I believe... um, If you want to find out more about how Chris can help you and the sort of services that she offers, we've put a link below in the show notes to her website. But when I was chatting to you earlier and um, being a little bit pushy, (laughs) uh, I did suggest to Chris that she have a special offer for our listeners and I believe that you're going to give some free help. Is that right, Chris? Absolutely. So... um my, my special offer is um, click on the on the website below on the link and yep. on the link and fill in the form that's there and what I'll do is I'll give you a free forty five minute consultation on where you're at with tenders and and where you're trying to get to and um, see if we can make it so you can short circuit that and get there sooner. That is absolutely wonderful, Chris. Uh, great offer, and thank you very much for looking after our listeners, and, ve- and thank you very much for all the great tips. They're really cool. Um, so all the best um, with your uh, tendering business. I think what you're doing is, is fantastic. I remember years ago when I was involved in tenders, they're not easy to do. 
and you can agonise for ages over what to put here and what to put it there. But with, if you can get some help from an expert like yourself, boy, that would surely fast track the, the process and you'd learn a lot along the way. So well done, Chris. Um, great tips and uh, we look forward to receiving some comments and um, uh, chatting to you again. Thank you, Annette, and um, I, I really appreciate being given the opportunity to come onto the program and, and, and share these tips with, with your listeners and really look forward to, to um, having a chat with some of them too. Yeah, and what we might do is a bit of a follow-up. So if anybody um, does take up Chris's fantastic offer and, and, you know, have a free consultation and gets involved and decides to, you know, put a tender forward and you've helped them, it would be good to do a bit of a follow-up and see, what, see how it went and what they learned and what the results were. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks heaps, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye. Well, I hope you got some useful tips out of that interview. I certainly did. And here's my key takeaways. Number one, speak in the language of the client. Do your homework first. Find out what makes them tick, how they speak, what their values and their goals are. It's called mirroring and it works very well. Number two, give them what they want and have asked for. Not everything, don't give, you know, suggest everything under the sun that you can do. Stick to what they want. But number three, also be helpful because, you know, if it's valid, suggest options and you could give good reasons and benefits. They may not know that there are better options available now. You're, you're the expert in your field. You know what's new. Um, they might not be aware of it. Number four, I thought this was a, a good one, use colours to make it easy for them to find their way through the, the tender document so they can see the questions and the answers. You know, you don't go overboard with your colours, um, make it look like a rainbow or something that, you know, an eight-year-old's done, but be judicious and use colours to separate areas of, docu of the um, document. Number five, oh, and this is the, a killer, Always, always, always get it in ahead of time. You never know what's going to go wrong if you decide to upload it at the last minute and you have a power outage or your computer's slow or their website, you know, your or your software's not working quite right. Just, just do it ahead of time, a couple of hours ahead of time. Plan for the unexpected. Okay, well, that's it for this podcast. So please visit the link below and get yourself a free 45-minute session with Chris if you're thinking of submitting a tender suit or you want to know how to go about getting into the whole tendering game. And of course, I'd really appreciate it if you could share this episode with any other tradies that you think would find it useful. You can share it on Facebook or Google Plus or LinkedIn. Share one of the tweetables below or even just send a link by email. <laughs> We'll finish up with a great quote by celebrity life coach and founder of personal excellence, Celestine Chua. There is no next time. It's now or never. I love it. That's your cue to take action. Bye for now. Well done for listening to this podcast. You've taken another step towards becoming a marketing genius. Visit tradiesuccess.com.au to grab the transcript of this podcast and other useful marketing goodies and take some sort of marketing action today.